0: Praise the Lord. We may be few in numbers tonight, but we're here in power. And I believe that the word that the Lord has for the church tonight is for the people that are here tonight. And um, and it's a good word, something that the, the Lord has been working in my own heart, and um Maybe we can even practice it at the end of the message tonight. So, uh, most of you know that I uh, served in the U.S. Air Force. And I retired in 2011, after 28 years in the service, as a colonel. And uh, in the service, I was a fighter pilot, and I flew fighters... Uh, pretty much all over the world, uh, I flew out of Karat, Thailand, um, Al jaber Kuwait, Osan, Korea, uh, Boscombe Down in the United Kingdom. I've flown a single-engine or a single-engine and a, a single-seat single fighter over the Pacific Ocean. I've flown a single-seat fighter over the Atlantic Ocean. There's a lot of water on this globe. <laughs> My military duties have taken me to Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, Sicily, Saudi Arabia, Chile, the Philippines, Japan, Guam. I can't count up the number of days that I have been absent from my family. There's too too many to count. And uh, I learned how to, in the early part of my career, I learned how to follow. In the latter part of my career, I learned how to lead. I know what authority is. I have been both under authority and I have exercised authority. I know what self-discipline is all about. I have lived the core values of the Air Force, which is integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. That's part of my life. And that kind of a service for 28 years um, encompassed me. It was who I was. I was a... Uh, a, A military member, I wore the uniform and I served my country. But, it is nothing to compare with being a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. So, get your Bibles out. And turn, if you will, to Joshua the last chapter in Joshua, chapter 24, we'll look briefly at verse 15. Now, this is um, Joshua had gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he's essentially giving his going away speech. And he, in verse 15, he says to all of those assembled choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And at the end of that verse, it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I chose to go into the Air Force. It was my choice. It was my choice to go and join and serve my country. And I did that willingly, voluntarily, for 28 years We have the same choice as Christians. And that's what Joshua is saying right here to all of the tribes of Israel. He's saying, you have to choose this day whom you are going to serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." So, we have to decide if we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ or whether we're going to be torn between him and the world. So flip over to um, let me get my notes out here. Flip over to matthew six twenty four it. You should be familiar with Matthew 6. We often talk about Matthew 6.33, which is very, very important. And so this verse precedes, and that's uh, verse uh, 24. And, um, And Jesus is speaking, and He says, "...no one can serve two masters." For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And if you recall over in 1 John 2, 15, he says, uh, anyone who loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. So you see that? You cannot love the world, because if you love the one, you're going to hate the other. And so we have to choose whom we are going to serve. And my prayer and my hope is that everybody here and everybody within the sound of my voice have chosen to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Turn to 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. I'm reading mostly out of the New King James Version tonight because some of these verses, frankly, I like in here, but I don't normally use this Bible. It's Jeannie's Bible, and I can't find my way around it very well because I know that that verse is supposed to be on this side of the page, and in this Bible it is not. So um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. Paul is writing, Timothy, obviously, and he's saying to him, you, Timothy, therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier." At my first duty station in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach Air Force Base, uh, Jeannie and I lived on the base. We lived in base housing on the base. And our life was essentially there on the base. We, um, we were with my squadron, my flying squadron. We knew everybody in the flying squadron. I wore a uniform. And um, you had to go through a gate that was manned by security police to get onto the base. And I knew, and my identity was that I was military. I was not civilian. And there was a distinction there. And it was in my mind that I was military and definitely not a civilian. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy here that if you have enlisted under the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the one who has enlisted you, then to please him and you, and to be engaged in warfare, you do not become entangled in civilian affairs and it's so hard sometimes for christians to 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 Walk in that way because the lure and the pull of the world is so strong and they get entangled. That Greek word there, entangled, actually means to be interweaved with. And so we must, we must have that mindset, um, we must have that, that decision in our hearts that we are serving the one who enlisted us as a soldier. We're military. We're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that no one engaged in warfare entangles himself. We are engaged in warfare. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 6. That just might be part of the plan. Look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we have an enemy known as the devil. He is wily. And we have the armor of God for what purpose? In order to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we are in warfare. We have been given the armor of God to put on in order to stand and having done all to stand in the evil day against the evil one. No one who calls themselves Christian and are serving the Lord Jesus Christ are exempt from duty. We are in a war. We are wrestling against principalities and powers and world rulers of this present darkness. And the Lord has seen fit to give us this armor. And And he goes on and he explains what the armor is. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read them. You should know them very intimately. But I do want to pick up in verse 17, and it says, "...and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit." being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, a lot of people don't really recognize because they stop at verse 17 and think that's the armor of God, where this part right here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, is what links all the armor together. We are called to be praying. The Greek word for always is pos, and it means everything, always, total. There's nothing that's not in it. And so it means that we are to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We're going to talk some more about that in a minute. Um, And being watchful to this end, "...with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." And Paul goes on and he says, "...and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak." So Paul's writing this from Rome. He is in prison. He's in chains. And he's, he, he's not asking for uh, somebody to send him a loaf of bread with a file in it. <clears throat> he's not asking for to send a, um, an elite force of green berets to spring him loose. He's asking for them to pray and intercede for Him so that He can be bold in uttering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, that's what we are called to do. That we, The title of this message tonight could be The Church's Call to Arms. We are called to put on the armor of God... <coughs> to be good soldiers and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit for all the saints everywhere. Flip over to Matthew 21, 13. You know this story. It's um, Jesus braids a whip, and he goes into the temple, to drive out the money changers. Let's look at 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. 13. And He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus quotes the first part from Isaiah, the second part from Jeremiah, and he's saying, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He is characterizing the house of God as being a house of prayer. So, flip over to... uh, Hebrews 3 6. Actually, I think I'm going to read this one in the New Living Translation because to me it seems a lot clearer in it. Hebrews 3 6 says, But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. And, and the writer of Hebrews actually says, over in chapter 10, he repeats it, that we have a high priest over our, us, the house And so here's Jesus driving the money changers out, and he says, It is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And who is the house? We are. And therefore, a chief characteristic of this house is that it should be a house of prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit for all the saints everywhere. 1 Corinthians 3.16, you probably know that by heart. Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, Do you not know, do you, plural, not know that you are the temple of God and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Remember Robert talking about the Shekinah glory? And learning how to go into that holy of holies that we have free access to now. And dwelling there. We are His house. The Holy Spirit dwells in that house. We have the Shekinah glory of God indwelling us. And we shall be called a house of prayer. So, let's think about that a little bit so what is prayer talking to god it's communicating with god actually it can be even deeper than that it is communion with him if you look communion up in webster's one of the definitions will be intimate communication talking with god we can be because He has implanted a communication device in us, in our spirit, and it's known as the Holy Spirit. Remember Star Trek? Be me up, Scotty. We have a communicator that gives us free access to the throne of God. We can go there anytime with boldness and confidence, and we can find grace and mercy at that throne. We can communicate with Him. We can talk with Him. And turn over to Luke 6. Chapter... Or Luke 6, verse 12, get my mouth to work tonight, Luke 6, 12, because Jesus was our example, wasn't he? When he was on earth, he came as a man, and in verse 12, it says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. What do you reckon he was praying all night about? Hmm? Who to choose? He prayed all night. He was speaking with his father. He was having communion, intimate conversation with Abba, Father. Flip over a couple of Gospels to John chapter 12, verses 49 and 50. I'm going to read these out of the New Living as well. Jesus is speaking, and He says, I don't speak on My own authority. The Father who sent Me has commanded Me, What to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be spending that kind of time with the Father. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit He said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and He's going to guide you into all the truth. He's going to take what He hears, and He's going to reveal it to you. He will even show you the things that are to come. So, as as the body of Christ and a house of prayer... And because the armor of God includes praying in the Spirit at all times for all the saints everywhere, we need to be in constant prayer in the Spirit. No, I lay me down to sleep prayers, but wrestling prayers. Prayer that comes in and grabs hold of an issue and will not let go until you have taken it all the way through. That kind of prayer. Why? Because we are in warfare. And in order to prosecute a war, the forces must be able to communicate and share information. In the... um, Well, let me say this first. The enemy, Satan, the devil, one of his premier tactics is to disrupt communication. He did it in the Garden of Eden right off the bat. Eve sinned, took of the fruit, ate, gave it to Adam. He ate, and fellowship with God was broken because of sin. Disrupted communication right in the Garden of Eden. And he has not stopped. If he can get the saints to stop praying, he essentially wins. So, the only way that we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles, the only way that we are going to see heaven come down and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is to pray in the Middle East, during the Gulf War, actually it's going on right now is there is a uh, speaking from the air Force terms. <coughs> there is a Combined Air Operations Center. We have one over in the Middle East right now. And it's a a combined air operations center, so all the joint forces participate in it. And it's where they take in all of the information and synthesize it in order to disseminate it to all of the fighting forces. There is an aircraft called an AWACS that is on orbit. Air Warning and Control System, AWACS. There's another one that's called JSTARS. Joint Surveillance Target Attack Radar System. The AWACS keeps a track on all the airborne assets. JSTARS keeps track of all the ground targets. And all of that information can be put together and it can be sent to any warfighter so that you have an instant situational awareness of where the target is and what the target is doing. Communication. Vital. Well, we have the most important uh, communication line. It is a direct line to the throne. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and so we are able to know in our knower, it bypasses our rational mind, and and the Holy Spirit can speak to us and transmit His strategic command to us so that we can immediately process it in our mind and engage our will and go do it called obedience. Imagine when the Holy Spirit does that for an entire body, let's say living waters, and comes in in living waters, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to each individual person because that person is praying and seeking God's face. And we get the instructions for prosecuting a campaign. We will see great and mighty things that we knew not. Jeremiah thirty three three. So I want to end on this. There are two uh, Air Force Colonels that were um, strategic air power tacticians. The first one I want to talk about is Colonel John Boyd. And he, he was a brilliant man, uh, a fighter pilot. They called him 42nd Boyd because he worked, uh, he, he was assigned to the um, Air Warfare School uh, in, at Nellis Air Force Base. And uh, every time a new student came into the, to the weapons school, um, he would take them up. And he would, he would tell them that he would be able to get on there at 6 o'clock and shoot them down within 40 seconds of the onset of the engagement. He never lost. He was that good. And so he came up with something called the OODA loop. Anybody heard of an OODA loop? John Boyd was the one that described the OODA loop. An OODA loop is observe, orient, decide, act. And it's a loop... Because you keep going around that loop. So you observe, you orient, you decide, and you act. And whatever the result of your actions are, you again observe, orient, decide, and act. And you go around that loop. The faster you can get around that loop, and especially if you're going against an enemy, if you can stay inside his OODA loop, you win. Because you you are thinking faster and acting faster than your opponent. And, and the opponent just gets behind the power curve and gets confused and, and everything becomes chaos. And he can't act fast enough to keep up with you and you win. That's why he was 42nd Boyd. The other guy was Colonel John Warden. Uh, Colonel Warden was a uh, an air tactician. He is the one that designed the air campaign for Gulf War One, and he had what was known as the five rings model. Uh, and And if you can imagine, uh, say, a target with five rings, in the middle is the leadership. The next ring out is. Uh, Uh, essential things like um, uh, ammunition, weapons, oil, gas, those kinds of things. The next ring is infrastructure. That would be like highways, tunnels, bridges, lines of communication. The next ring out is personnel, people. And uh, it could be the civilian population. You may want to do... Psychological operations against them, and then the outermost ring is the fielded army. Back in the day, we used to put armies against armies, like in World War I, trench warfare, very bloody, um, uh, lots of uh, fatalities in that kind of a war. And what, what Colonel Warden was saying is you don't go after the army in the field You go after all of those centers of gravity simultaneously. And especially if you go for the leadership, because if the leadership is taken down, then nothing else is going to operate. If you can take out the lines of communication so that the leadership doesn't know what's going on in the field, then they can't prosecute the war. And that's exactly what we did in Gulf War One. everybody watched it on CNN, and we took all of the assets in, one of them being the F-117 stealth fighter, goes in and takes out all the center of gravities all at once, and the whole thing falls apart in days. And then the, the guys, the boots on the ground, our army can just saunter in and, and take all of the the uh, Iraqis waving their white flag, surrendering. Translate those concepts, the OODA loop and the five rings model, into the spiritual world. Now we have an enemy. 1 Peter 5 8, people should know this. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is walking around, or in another version, prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. The enemy does not sleep. He does not rest. He is constantly prowling around, and he is looking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We are called to be sober and to be vigilant. We are called to put our OODA loops into action, We are called to identify the centers of gravity of the enemy, and we are called into engaging in warfare that we saw in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, and we are to pray and to act on the answers to that prayer so that we can take down the gates of hell. And we pray that His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's another verse, 2 Corinthians 2.11. And we'll end on this tonight. Very important. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church And he, uh, in verse 10, he says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So we can actually stand as the house of God, praying at all times, and we, can, we know we can stand against the wiles of the devil because we are not ignorant of his devices, and he cannot outsmart us because we have a supreme commander known as the Lord Jesus Christ who communicates with us because He has given us the Holy Spirit. And as long as we are praying in the Spirit at all times for all the saints everywhere, then we go forth in victory. So, so my plea to you, to the church, and anybody listening to this message, is to be in, in prayer in individual prayer in your prayer closet in corporate prayer together uniting our hearts together and we can practice that right now uh, as we close before we take up the um the offering Uh, because brian keeling is in the hospital right now and he's injured and he needs the prayers of the saints. It said to pray for all the saints everywhere. He's a saint. And let's right now just knit our hearts together and take this message that came from the Holy Spirit to engage in that warfare through prayer with all the armor of God on. And we can expect the Father to hear us and to answer us. Amen? So bow your heads and join me now. Just agree with me as I pray. You can pray your own prayer right there along with me. You can pray in the Spirit. So Father God, I thank You for this Word tonight. I thank You that that we are Your house and we are a house of prayer. And we come to Your throne of grace this very moment, we approach You boldly and with confidence we see Your face. We know Your unconditional love. We know that You are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals You. We thank You, Father, that You love Brian and Debbie, that Your love surrounds them right now. And I pray right where they are, That you invest them like a cocoon with your love and your comfort and your care and your healing and your mercy and your grace and all that is good, Father, you surround them and they know this very moment as we pray together that they belong to you that they cannot be in a better place than in the hands of the the father the god almighty <laughs> thank you father thank you that you are merciful and kind thank you that we have that privilege right now to come to you and so we beseech you we petition you we make supplication we aren't anxious we are confident because we know that You hear us. We pray according to Your will. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us right now. And He's praying according to Your will. And so so we cover them. We cover them, Father, as the body of Christ. The body of Christ coming around that injured member and taking care of it. Thank You, Father. Thank You for what You've done. Thank You that You've heard us. Thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I have much, much more about prayer. And maybe in some future opportunity, we can get down to the nitty-gritty because there's so much more about prayer and faith and Prayer and trust, and and um, prayer in the Word, and I was convicted. I I I have not been praying like I just preached, but now I am because the Lord has called me into this position, and so I call my brothers and sisters into that position of prayer. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let's take up the offering, Bill. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.